Anglicans, in the Anglican church, there are prayers assigned for every Sunday. And this Sunday, the prayer is all about the joy of being the church. So I thought maybe we'd open God's word and start um, looking at that together with this prayer. Um, Let's pray this prayer together. Grant, O merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples to the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. So today we are finishing up our summer series um, through Paul's letter to the Philippians. And um, do you remember why we chose Philippians? We've been looking at Philippians, studying Philippians, reading Philippians, putting God's word through Paul's letter to the Philippians into practice because it's all about the joy of following Jesus. And when we were thinking about, okay, how do we capture the joy of following Jesus? If you go back one, how we capture the joy of following Jesus, we thought, well, on our graphic, we'll put that sea-do up there. Because you've never seen anyone on a sea-do with a frown, have you? Like, you can't, you can't ride a sea-do without smiling. And the joy of following Jesus is that in the ups and downs of life, When Jesus is at the center, even in the hurricanes where he's the eye of the storm, in the crashing waves where he's an anchor for our soul, there is still joy to be found in our relationship with Jesus. And so uh, we we put up this wonderful uh, picture um, in the gathering hall. Have y'all seen the chalk art in the gathering hall when you've come in? Isn't that wonderful? I don't know if you know this or not, but Carrie Lee, one of our resident artists, um, does this as, as, an, as an act of love using her gifts um, to, to build us up and encourage us as a family. And uh, we, we pick the idea of this wave because joy is like a wave created by the Holy Spirit. Um, you don't create it. I don't create it. The Lord creates it, and we just catch it and ride it. That's what joy is all about. It's, it's the evidence or the fruit of Christ's presence in our lives, no matter what the circumstances might be. And over this past summer, we've explored Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and we've discovered several things. In chapter 1, we discovered that experiencing the joy of the Lord, Lord comes from perspective. Instead of focusing on our circumstances and getting discouraged, Paul's encouraging us to focus on Jesus and trusting in him in the midst of our circumstances. And in chapter 2, we discovered that experiencing the joy of the Lord comes from a Christ-like attitude. Staying humble, looking out for the best interests of others, seeking to serve rather than to be served. We moved on to chapter 3, and we, we discovered that experiencing the joy of the Lord comes from having a proper attachment to possessions and seeking God as the source of our provision. 
And we moved into chapter 4 and we discovered that experiencing the joy of the Lord comes from casting our burdens on Him through prayer and experiencing the peace of God. Y'all want that song again? Here it comes. (laughs) Cast your burdens on Jesus for He cares for you. Cast your burdens on Jesus for he cares for you. Higher, 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 higher. Lift Jesus higher, higher. It just keeps going. It's a wonderful song. I'm not a good singer, but I, I, don't, I don't sing. I just make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't always sound good, but it, it's joyful. More of that at uh, the Grace Vision Weekend on Family Friday. And that may just cause half of you not to come now. But <laughs> anyway, it'll be better. Michael will be there. Michael will be there. Um, so this morning, we're going to look at Philippians 4, 21 through 23. In your blue Bible, that's on page 982. And uh, this is how Paul concludes his letter to his friends, the believers in the church that he helped start in Philippi. And he says, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul is concluding his letter. He's concluding his letter celebrating the people of God unified by the grace of Jesus Christ, partnering together in the ministry of the gospel. And this morning, we're going to do the same. We want to conclude this message series celebrating what it means to be the people of God, unified by the grace of Jesus Christ, partnering together in the ministry of the gospel. We're talking about the joy of being the church. And the joy of being the church is all about togetherness. It's all about togetherness. God is together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one God expressing himself through three unique people. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together mutually submitted to one another for the sake of the whole. And God creates us in his image and likeness for togetherness, for togetherness with him and for togetherness with one another. This is what God sets out to do in creation, to create a place place that we can enjoy togetherness with him and with one another. And then when that place is prepared, then to create us in his image and likeness so we too can enjoy togetherness. And yet, we walk into this world and walk through this world where that togetherness is assaulted. That togetherness is challenged, it's broken. And all of us, at different levels and in different ways, experience the lack of joy because of the reality of disconnectedness and untogetherness that happens by the things that we think and do and say that miss God's design in our lives and that happens because of the things that other people think and do and say to us that miss God's design for togetherness. And so God's dream for togetherness gets broken and yet the joy, the beauty 
the pronouncement of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, God himself, truly God, truly man, has come to bring togetherness back to us again. Togetherness that heals those hurts. Togetherness that bonds us to one another where there was once disconnectedness. Togetherness with God, togetherness with one another. That's what Jesus does on the cross. There are two beams on that cross, both of which represent togetherness. That vertical beam that represents Jesus' sacrificial work on our behalf, forgiving our sins to bring us back to togetherness with God. God gave him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might be right with God again. But there's a horizontal beam to the cross. Because Jesus stretched out his arms of love to gather us together in relationship with God and with one another as the church. That we might love one another as God has loved us in Christ. And that we might reach out our arms to bring other people into togetherness with God and with us as the people of God, the church. This is God's dream for the church. That we would enjoy relational togetherness with God and with one another and invite other people to the same. Here and now, for real, and also forever in the presence of God. And this is what Paul is celebrating that takes place as he goes and proclaims Jesus, his death, his resurrection, what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. This is what Paul is celebrating as he concludes his letter all the togetherness that's happening as a result of being the church on mission. And that's what we're celebrating this morning as we conclude our study. Let's look at Philippians 4 and verse 21 and 22. Here is the first point, the interdependent nature of the church. The interdependent nature of the church in verses 21 and 22. Paul writes, give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings, and the rest of God's people send you greetings too. Look to your left and look to your right. Look at the people in front of you. Look at the people behind you. These are not strangers. These are not attenders. These are not spiritual consumers. These are spiritual blood relatives. We have been bought with a price, the price that is the most precious price God could pay for our togetherness with him and with one another, the price of the blood of his son. Christ shed his blood for us and gives us a spiritual blood transfusion, making the old gone and the new come. We're new creations in Christ Jesus, holy and pleasing in the Lord's sight. And together we have become a family in him. He has adopted us as sons and daughters. He has seated us at his table as members of his household and have given us this togetherness, this oneness that he has accomplished on our behalf. Church isn't a place that we go. Church is a people that we belong to. 
And so you may be looking for a people. You may have friends and coworkers and classmates and student um, uh, friends that are looking for a people, a loving tribe, a place to belong. Just, just listen to the one and others in the New Testament. The church is a community marked by togetherness. Let's listen to this throughout the scripture. Be at peace with one another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Have equal concern for one another. Serve one another. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. In humility, consider one another better than yourselves. Bear with one another, encourage one another, build up one another, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, offer hospitality to one another, love one another deeply. This is the togetherness that we are created for. This is the togetherness that Jesus comes and dies and rises that we would experience. This is the, the togetherness that we have as followers of Jesus with grace. The joy of being the church is experienced by the way that we love one another. And our love for God is seen and measured in the everyday way that we love one another, that we treat one another. That's that's the joy of having a people, of having a tribe, of having a community, of having a place where we belong. And that's what God has done. That's what he's done here for us. And that love that we have for God and that love that we have for one another grows among us, but flows out from us. It's why Mission 368 exists and why we are a loving family of interdependent churches along the Broadway corridor. Why gathering Midtown is very much a part of our life and our family. And why a new expression of the local church in Mankey Park is very much a part of our life and our family. It's why we partner with churches like the Park or um, the several Acts 29 churches in this city or St. Andrew's next door. We're having a movie night together this fall in the Park. It's why um, the, the pastors at this church are in a pastor's learning cohort with about 25 other pastors throughout the city. We meet once a month for lunch and prayer and fellowship and shared learning and humble collaboration because there is one church of Jesus Christ in San Antonio. And it is um, expressed in various ways in different neighborhoods. But when Jesus looks down on San Antonio, he sees his people. He sees his family. We don't all worship in the same location, but we are all carrying the same spiritual DNA bought with the price of his blood. There is a a non-compete clause in the kingdom of God. The church is better together. And we're experiencing that here at this local expression of grace, the way that we love each other, the way we serve each other, the way we build each other up. But we're experiencing that as a part of the church in the city as well. And that just delights 
the Lord, and it's a part of how we experience joy. Keep looking down. Um, this second point here in verse 22 is the influence of the church, the influence of the church. He says that all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. What? Paul sends special greetings from the Christian brothers and sisters who belong to Caesar's household, oikos, which means his family, his extended family, and those who work in his administration. Do, do you capture what Paul is saying? He, he's talking about Caesar's sphere of influence. The government administration in Rome, those who are in charge of it, the gospel has already infiltrated the highest positions in the Roman Empire. Because Paul's in prison, and despite his circumstances, everybody that comes around him, he's going to give a hope. He's going to give a defense for the hope that is within him. He's going to tell him about, about Jesus. And his joy overflows. And it's contagious. And other people catch that wave of the Holy Spirit and come into relationship with Jesus and become a part of his people, his tribe, his church. One commentator puts it like this. The crucified Galilean carpenter had already begun to rule those who ruled the greatest empire in the world. That is influence. And as God's people, we are meant to be his influencing agents everywhere that we are, in our homes, in our, on our streets, in our schools, in our places of work, everywhere that we go throughout the city, Jesus goes with us. His kingdom is extended through us. And we all have people that we know that are not yet followers of Jesus, who have not yet heard how amazing he is and what he offers us and the joy that comes from knowing him and following him. We have the opportunity to pray for those people. We have those prayer cards that we encourage everyone, particularly in our life groups, to, to go down, to, to share who, God, who is God putting on your heart. Let's pray for them and then let's reach out to them and bring them into the joy of following Jesus with us. It's why um, in our life groups, we, we basically do three things in our life groups. We have a time of food and fellowship where we, we get to know each other and understand what's going on in each other's life. And then secondly, we open up the scripture and we hear from God and we share what we're hearing from God together and how we can put that into practice. And then we pray for one another that the God would give us the desire and the ability to do what he is calling us to do. And third, we look out, not just in, not just up, but also out and how we can identify the people in our lives that need healing, that need connection, that need the hope that is in Christ. And we bring them into this family, accept them, invite them, welcome them, 
into what God is doing in and through us. It's why we are continuing to take the deposit of the gospel that God has placed in our hearts and taking that down the Broadway corridor into Mankey Park. And over the past seven years, God has given us people of peace um, at Lamar Elementary and in the Mankey Park neighborhood. And we have done nothing but just, what are your needs and how can we serve you? We've just been building relationships based on meeting physical and emotional needs. And that's led to fall festivals and cultural festivals and mentoring and Christmas blessing and teacher appreciation luncheon. And we just have been for seven years, Lord, how can we serve these people? How can we love you? What do you need? And we just keep showing up. One of the greatest acts of love that any of us can ever do is just show up. And we've been showing up in their lives, serving them, not with senseless acts of beauty and random acts of kindness, but with the love of Jesus because he cares for them. And we have the opportunity now that God is, is uh, tilling that soil and, and we are there and people know us and, and trust us and appreciate us now to take it to the next step, to connect them with Jesus and to begin to start a life group in Mankey Park that will multiply into more life groups that will uh, lead to an expression of the local church down there that will become a part of our extended interdependent family in Christ. We talked a couple of weeks ago that we are luminaries who radiate the life and love of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere we go. In our home, on our street, in our life groups, in Mankey Park, and to the ends of the earth. That is the joy of being the church. There, there is nothing that gives followers of Jesus greater joy than when someone hears about Jesus and says, hey, I, I want to know him. I want to follow him. And receives his healing, receives his forgiveness, and is brought into his people, his family, his body. We um, had a table leader training for the divine narrative this last week. And the divine narrative is really set up to bring people who are not yet followers of Jesus to a great meal with a lot of acceptance, a simple teaching of the gospel, taking Old Testament stories and how they point to Jesus, and then a lot of conversation where people can, be, can feel safe and secure to get out the good, sorry, to get out the bad, so that, so that Christ can come in. That's, that's how I came to Christ. Not a divine narrative, but a Kip's big boy. And I had, I had two friends at that diner who let me, they called it spiritually vomiting because I had so much hurt and so much pain and so much anger that I needed a place to get it out so that Jesus could come and occupy that space. That's what the divine narrative is all about. We're going to start that with an invitation supper next Thursday. And as we were talking about that on Thursday night and praying, <laughs> Kathy sent it out, an invitation on, uh, what's it called? Next door, she told me that we invited 11,825 people. So the Lord might have to multiply our food, but he's good at that. We might need, we might need more table leaders, but you're prepared for that. Um, but but there, there would be no greater joy for us as a people than to see 
1, 12, 16, 30 people hear and respond to Jesus and say yes and come into our family and we'll baptize them up there. That delight that the Lord has when his church is that welcoming, loving, relational, hospitality presence is our greatest joy as well. Finally, verse 23, the essentiality of grace for the church. Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with your spirit. So it's not any coincidence that his letter to the Philippians begins and ends with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 2, grace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Enjoying God's grace happens in relationship with Jesus and one another. Um, we were talking this week and someone said, you know, it's always been really helpful for me when I see the name, the Lord Jesus Christ, not to read it as one name, but to understand it as three names and put a comma between each one. Lord, comma, Jesus, comma, Christ, comma. Because Christ isn't his last name, right? It's a title. I thought that was funny. It was funny up here. <laughs> um, but, 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 it, but his name is Lord. I mean, the gospel is the uh, announcement that Jesus is Lord and that all who respond to his grace and surrender to his love enter into his life and become a part of his family and everything that God is doing to reconcile the whole world to himself. He's Lord. Jesus is Lord. This is the proclamation of the first believers that they would identify with one another by the proclamation of Jesus as Lord. He is the leader of life, and we are yielding to him and allowing him to direct our thoughts, emotions, words, families, everything that we do. We come under, we yield to his, his grace and his love. His name is Jesus Because the gospel is the announcement that Jesus is Savior. This is why the angel tells Joseph and Mary that you're going to name him Jesus, and that's a special name, and it means that he will save his people from their sins. And through his death and resurrection, he does. He's forgiven our sins, he's defeated death, and he's secured our victory against the powers and principalities of darkness. Jesus is Lord. Jesus saves. His name is Christ. It's just the Greek word for the Hebrew term Messiah. Jesus is the one that Israel had been waiting for. He is the one that had been promised. He is the one who fulfills the story of Israel and invites the world to enjoy his gracious and loving reign and his kingdom here on earth now and forever in his presence. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Messiah. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Um, and it's going to be fine. Don't, don't worry. This, this is totally chill. No pressure here. No pressure here. Um, but some of you have been hearing the gospel in new ways or perhaps for the first time this summer. Some of you have been um, coming to 
to this expression of the local church for a while and have, have been hearing things that, wow, that's new, that's fresh, I didn't really understand, I didn't really know that. And all of that is a good thing. And I want us to have the opportunity, if, if we think that following Jesus as Lord, following him as Savior, following him as Christ the Messiah, if, if, that, if that isn't just pinned into our hearts, if maybe it's kind of penciled, or maybe it's kind of a little dotted line, I, I think, but I'm not sure. This morning, I, I want to invite you to be sure. Now, as followers of Jesus, who happen to be Anglican, we have an altar call every Sunday. This is old school, right? This is, this is God's table. And we believe every Sunday that as we proclaim the gospel in the communion prayer, and we, inv- we invite people to Jesus, into relationship with Jesus through the bread and the wine. And we do that every Sunday. And that's a good thing. He meets us there. This is the most holy, sacred, even charismatic moment of our worship gathering. Where we meet with Jesus through the bread and wine. But this morning, I'm going to invite you now to respond to Jesus and the gospel. I haven't done this in a while. And the Lord put it on my heart that it's time to do that. So I'm just going to ask you, very chill, if you all just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I really want to encourage um, the peekers in the room, just don't peek. Let's just, let's just, let's just make this, let's just make this um, a, a real, genuine, safe time between us and the Lord. Because he, he loves us. He loves you so much. He has your best interest at heart. He knows your hurts and draws near to you. He knows the ways that you're crying out to him and need him. And in his compassion, he wants nothing more to come alongside you this morning and remind you that you belong to him and there is nothing that can separate you from the love that he has for you in Christ Jesus. And so I just want to ask, just here in the presence of God, if you haven't made that commitment to the Lord Jesus and just said, yes, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you have died for my sin on the cross. I believe that you have filled me with the Spirit and raised me with your resurrection, have given me new life. If you haven't secured that relationship with Jesus, if that isn't sharpied on your heart, I just want to invite you, and you want to, right now, I just want you to just gently raise your hand. No one's looking. This is just between, praise the Lord. It's just between you and God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And some of you may want to, um, to make that recommitment. Um, maybe you have um, walked away from the Lord. Maybe you've been really struggling and you're ready to give the Lord a second chance or a third chance or his church a fourth or a fifth chance. If that's you, would you just, would you just raise your hand just gently? You don't have to raise it high. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
I just want to invite you to pray with me, and then I want to encourage you um, to take advantage of our trained prayer and healing teams after, just to talk and to have them pray over you even more. Um, but hallelujah for what God's doing. And um, let, me just, let me just pray. Father, just thank you for these dear and precious people that have just said yes to you this morning or have um, said yes again because of what you have been doing in their heart, because of what you've been doing in their lives. Thank you that you have shown them your love in Christ. You have forgiven them as far as the east is from the west. You have filled them with your very presence. That you are pleased with them, that you care for them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are their healer. That you are their savior, that you are the leader of their lives. And so, now, Lord, I just ask, come Holy Spirit and seal that relationship, renew that relationship, infuse that relationship with an extra measure of your love and acceptance and belonging. Lord, let your blessing come now and continue as we come to you at the table through the bread and the wine. Meet with us, Lord. Build us up in your love and empower us to be your witnesses wherever we go. We thank you. We praise you, Jesus. In your name, amen.